And we're back. D&D Valiant Odyssey is here for another season around the table with some amazing players and an even more amazing DM. To kick us all off and to remind everybody who we actually have around the table, you're going to introduce yourselves and doing so you will reveal your name, race, class, and you will tell our lovely listeners what would your character pack in a lunchbox for lunch. My name is Michael. I play Drew Ede, the ugly human druid. Uh... For lunch, it would definitely be something organic for the fruit, berries, granola. Yeah, that sort of thing. Trail some, mix. Some carrots, something that he could uh, share with his animal friends. I'm Brett, and I play Morvan Orthranus, a level nine evocation wizard. And I pack a bag of grapes, hydration, and uh, yum yums. Uh, I am Brian. I play Beargrim. I am a Eldrin rogue. Normally, I would actually pack trail mix as well, but uh, mustard kind of stole that. So, uh, Beargrim's actually going to pack jerky, but not just any jerky. He's going to pack that like really super spicy stuff that just kind of like puts your mouth on fire. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm not as cute as the other Michael. Uh, playing as Micah. Oh, packing in a lunchbox. Probably have to be a Zupa Dupa. For those international listeners. Oh, yeah. Okay. Frozen cordial in a stick form. Yeah. In, uh, in North America, we call them freezies. Yeah. They're All called right. ice blocks or zupa dupas here in Australia. A hydrating lunchbox snack for the Australian hot summer. And me, I am Aaron. I'm your dungeon master. And what I would pack into a snack is a yogurt pouch because at this age, you need probiotics. <laughs> Imagine that after a hot <laughs> day in the poor, sun. poor man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What you need. Is this speaking from jerky experience? This is speaking from a lot <laughs> of experience. <laughs> jerky not excluded. Um, okay, so as you may have heard, amazing listeners, we actually have a mixture of people at the table here. We have people from all different groups. They don't actually have a group name at the moment because um, they're playing in this special adventure just for you. So instead of doing a recap, because otherwise it would be like four stories worth of recap, what I would like you guys to do is pick what your character's most defining moment was for season two or season one and tell us about it. Most defining moment, Drew still being alive, uh, no, um, is a big one, but no, 100% most defining moment was uh, losing Key, losing one of the fellow crown killers. That was terrible. It was awful around for everyone. I'd say uh, my interaction with Message in the Stars, realizing that how I perceive myself and my goals is not how the world perceives me. I think for Bergram, just the um, his inability to do anything, and so trapped out of the barrier kind of thing with the final fight with Delnak, he just he could do nothing. It was basically it was a very very humbling experience. All the fucking tragedy at this table, man. Like I wrote it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, man? Like, oh, do we need man, to I got some stuff this? I got to tell you guys about, Michael. <laughs> um, I think for Micah, the most defining moment would be watching his only friend uh zen die in front of him he used yeah. the f word again yeah he did he used the f word that's that's big for you he, he dropped the b though the best part of it he said only we're still friend, in grief though. all right give me some time like, only friend. yeah that's right he hasn't got his name tattooed across his chest ladies and gentlemen with a scene from the Wasonia Arcane Institute having a look at it you can see the pearlorescent spires moving up towards the clouds against a sky that is falling towards nightfall. You can see hues of purples and oranges across the cloudscape and the sun setting across the inland sea bay in the city of Cadmia. Micah, you stand in front of an open window. <laughs> don't jump out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have feather fall. You stand in front of an open window, arced in its make, and you can see gossamer curtains flowing in the breeze and a large veiled balcony around the outside of it. As you stand there in contemplation, looking over the school below, you know that there is something that festers within its walls. Something silent and something growing, something that you have staved off, but you are fearful that it will emerge. You've remained in this room for the sole purpose of the person in the bed behind you. You see Siraj Saharis currently having been absolutely exhausted to the point of unconsciousness after using an amplifier to locate a particular portal on your behalf. She hasn't awoken yet. She's stirred here and there. She's made some glances towards the window, but there isn't much that she can do. You know that she's vulnerable in this state and that's why you've stayed there. As you're in this space, you watch as the sun sets 
You move back over to your armchair where your glaive sits and your tankard. And as you take a seat, would you like to describe to everyone what Micah looks like, just to remind everybody? I think as the sun goes through the beautiful stained glass window that he's not allowed to jump out of, um, Micah is just your typical average looking male, average height, average weight, average receding hairline. Um, you can see the bags under his eyes continue to grow every day after experiencing probably the hardest loss that he's ever had to deal with. As you sit in this leather-bound chair, it takes the weight of you and you hear that comforting sigh from the tankard at your waist. Fizz sits in there, the only person you've had to talk to for the last 48 hours. And as you listen, can you please roll me a perception check? Remember, it's not your fault. <laughs> Sorry, you said perception? Uh, that is a 16. As the sun definitely makes its way below the horizon, it becomes dark in this room. You watch as the automatic lights, the ever-glowing flames brighten, and it casts a lovely shadow across Siraj's face. But as you look at those shadows, you can see something else. You see what looks like a humanoid figure silhouetted on the wall. As you look towards the window, you can see crawling over it this humanoid person, three arms coming out of their back, and you can see these toothy maw and this fleshy-looking tongue that seems to be coming out. You have fought these before. It seems another one of these mind flayers are coming towards Siraj. Claws its way across the floor. You watch as it backflips over itself its feet landing on the stone that you've just been stepping out and it stands and begins to creep inside, drawn towards the power Siraj holds at bay. Uh, Micah, without even thinking, is just going to stand up and just launch himself across the room attempting to tackle. Alright, roll a athletics check. Beat an 8. Uh, that is a 17. Okay, so what does it look like as you tackle this thing across the floor? It's unaware. Exactly like an NFL tackle, just straight in the middle, absolutely folded up, trying to pin against the ground. Absolutely. As you pin it against the ground, you watch as it slides about five feet, bats up against the banister wall, and you can see it just glaringly uh, biting and slashing at you. It's going to attempt to attack you twice. Uh, the first one is going to be an eight, and the second one is going to be a... second one's going to be a 20. A 20 is going to hit. Can you please roll me a constitution save? That's a 12. Okay, so you fail. You take eight points of damage and you feel this coursing poison begin to make its way through you. As you feel it begin to move through your veins, you start to feel weakened and you are poisoned at this minute. It's your turn. What would you like to do? As it is thrashing underneath you, having just attacked you, you watch as half of the tentacles are going for you and the rest is clawing its way towards Siraj, trying to get at the power that she is unconsciously wielding. To stab it with the glaive in hand. Yep, roll your attack. And you get two as a paladin at this level. Yep, the first one is a 20 to hit, 14 damage. And the next one is 18 to hit. That will hit too. Uh, we'll use a smite on this one, nine damage. And then with the smite, oh, we'll do a wrathful smite. So that is one psychic damage. Um, additionally, if the target is a creature, it must make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you until the spell ends. Wisdom saving throw. Oh, that is going to suck. That's a two. That is a fail. All right. So it's frightened. So it needs to run away from you, correct? Move as far away from you as possible. Okay. So what does your wrathful smite look like as you raise this glaive for the second time and swipe it towards the creature? I think historically we've had a nice pulsing green, but I guess now the green of the smite is more darker with like tinges of red, a lot of anger being felt in this one. And it's sort of just going to come without even any flare. It's just purely there to defend now, just the straight. All right. And as you slash it across the chest, you watch as this gaping wound opens and flashes and it screeches this unholy sounding uh, wretched scream. It then begins to crawl off of the balcony and you hear it scuttle all the way back down the tower. As you look over, searching for it once more, you can see that it seems to have disappeared. You look down and see it's blood on the stone. You know it's still there, or it was real. It wasn't a dream. You look back towards Siraj. You can see her let out an exhale, and then you can see her eyes begin to flicker. I guess like every other night, go over, hands glowing, and attempt to lay on hands. So as you do, this green glow moves from the tankard around your body into your hands and you watch as it spreads over Siraj. A futile attempt, usually, and you begin to feel the uselessness of this power in this instance. But as you go to turn away, you hear a and you look down, you can see her sitting bolt upright and she looks and she grabs you by the forearm. You watch as her eyes are beginning to flare white and she says, oh, I didn't, 
Well, where is Arden? He's safe for now, along with everyone else. Mike, Micah, the last thing I remember, I, I set the... You watch as she moves her hand up to your head and has these eyes that look like she's asking your permission to do something to you. Nod backward, back right. towards her. You watch as she touches your temple and as she does, both of your heads flare with this white energy. The moment passes, it fades. She looks into your eyes and she says, you have to get to the Odyssey. We have to rest. She holds your hand and she says, I've been in this bed long enough. I'm sorry, Micah. Sorry about Zendatus. Stare back at her and just nod shortly. You watch as she reaches to the side of the bed, grabs her staff, and you feel this flash once again. This circle encompasses you of blue, and then you lose traction of the ground below you, shooting straight up into the air. As we cut to Bayagram. Bayagram, it's been about a week since the gnolls attacked Undercliff, and you can still smell the ash in your nostrils. You can still hear the whirling and whirring of this black beast that you have entrapped in this puzzle that you still hold close. When you returned to the Odyssey from Undercliff, without Arden in tow, without Halrod, without Ben Gore, without Felix, everybody asked you questions, questions that you weren't ready to answer. But over time, you began to take these questions in, become the person that everybody turned to in moments of crisis. And as you sit in the Odyssey tap room, you make your way outside and look towards the stars. As you close the door, the sound of revelry behind you disappearing completely as the odyssey in its ethereal form begins to vanish in this space the city street of cadmia around you quiet as nighttime usually is you look up and you can see a griffin rider moving across the stars roll a perception check for me uh 20 non-natural so across the street standing outside on the corner of a building you can see a small halfling figure mop of hair pushed to one side scarred down the cheek you can see them wearing a fine tunic and you can see that they have a dagger holstered on their waist. You know this person is Freud and Score. He's had eyes on you ever since you've come back. And he's looking at you now intently. And then he turns around the corner. You're getting the impression that he wants you to follow. All right. Um, yeah, I put the put up of my cloak. Like not full stealth, but basically kind of stealthily just looking around, making sure nobody else has seen where I'm headed. I kind of start following him. Okay. You make your way across the street. No one seems to notice you. You get into the back alley of the corner and then you feel this forceful thud against your chest. And you can see standing on top of the barrel is Freuden and as he pushes you against the wall, you hear him go, <laughs> Ah, Beagrim, you need to be a little bit more, you know, aware of your surroundings. You never know who would be lurking in the alleys. You never know who will be here too. And he looks you in the eyes, stab you in the back. That's what I have you for. I have you here to watch my back and I... I saw you. I saw where you went. Only because I let you. You believe that? Begrim, the time has come. Your work for the Unseen has not gone unnoticed. You have infiltrated the Odyssey quite well. Seems that they trust you. But I have had messages from above. Above me, that is. And here I thought you were the one running everything. Uh, to you, I am the one running things. But for me, everyone has... An upper hand. A troop of unseen assassins will surround the Odyssey at midnight. The leader is paralyzed. We need you to let us in the door and we will finish the job on behalf of the Dark One. You're putting me in an awkward position. This is kind of... You, you, you think it's done, but it's not done. What do you speak, Peregrim? I am hearing these words directly from Delnak himself. He has told me that Arden Cassian, the great sorcerer, is fallen. His body in Undercliff broken. The Odyssey is unguarded. The heroes within cowering like rats. Now is the time to strike. Do you not agree? I, I have, I've just gained this conf the confidence. I'm actually kind of in charge of the place. Think of how much more can be done if we leave this in place. Roll a persuasion check. Seven. He waggles a finger at you. Ah, Beagrim. Have these uh, unnatural creatures, and he's pointing you in the heart, within these walls gotten to your soft squishy skin uh, it would take a little bit more than that i've been around longer than i've been at the odyssey that's for sure well it is time for you to prove your loyalty midnight we will be around the back how many are we expecting a troop of assassins let's say a dozen a dozen six at the front six at the back uh, i think that, sh that should probably be enough midnight midnight tonight tonight you watch as he fades off 
into the distance. As you look towards the moon, you can see that you've probably got six or so hours. I'm kind of basically one of those, um, what's it, a duck in the water kind of thing. On the surface, I'm pretty calm, but underneath, I'm like, oh, shit, 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 shit. What am I going to do? You make your way back into the Odyssey. Uh, yeah, head back into the Odyssey and kind of start, uh, basically, I'm going to assemble the troops, really. So as you begin to get people ready for combat, almost calmly sort of tapping some trusted officials on the shoulder and, and making their way down, you also see going up the staircase, the figure of Melnan Wargon, the blonde-haired, burly-looking uh, city guard member that helped you on your way back and also helped you uh, with Arden, who originally did want to arrest Felix. He looks at you and says, You look troubled? I am. I am a little troubled. I um, I got word from my contact in the um, Unseen, and uh, with uh, with Arden out of action, there's going to be some, well, some action here happening. I've, I've started kind of assembling and kind of getting people together, but um, we could use maybe kind of the city guard, if, if possible, to uh, have a bit of a, a pincer move and kind of be hiding in the shadows behind the shadows. The stretch a little thin, especially after we've sent a lot of people to rebuild Undercliff. See what I can do. E- even if it's just a couple to kind of cause confusion, a couple of griffins coming in, that's that's more than enough. You, you've, you've done plenty for us, uh, especially with all the trouble that we put you through in the pra- in the past. And you watch as he like squints up his face. He's like, sucker up is not needed. I'm going, all right? Just- <laughs> uh, I, I still don't know what I'm doing here. I really don't. Well, you seem to be able to wear many faces, Beagram. Uh, Maybe find to, one that fits. They're starting to wear pretty thin. He makes his way down the stairs and leaves. You go towards your office, which was Arden's office, and at that moment we will cut a party of four that seems to be making their way in a northerly direction toward Cadmia. Sand in their boots, weapons on their back, one of them shining more brightly than the stars above. We cut towards Morven. Morvan, as you head the party, the three of your allies walking behind you, having agreed to sleep on the road outside of Cadmia, you have insisted on making your way to the Odyssey, getting anxious that your sending spells have not been landing to Arden Cassian, to Siraj, and even to the other members of your past that you are yet to converse with. You watch as they bid you a farewell by a warm fire, resting easily, and you, after emptying the large quantities of sand from the dry expanse out of your boots, shaking your robes, pressed digitating them clean, you begin to make your way through the city gates of Cadmia. See the streets are dark, illuminated by torchlight, cobblestoned around you. You hear the sound of a carriage moving in front of you, and for the first time in ages, you can smell that sweet smell of parchment and incense, noting that you are back in civilization. As you do so, you can see making their way across the street in front of you, what looks like quite a strong force, 12 or so in number of soldiers. Looking at these soldiers, you can see that they have red robes, bronze armor, and upon their shield, you can see a large symbol of a V. You can see red feathers adorned in a mohawk across a lot of their helmetry. And most of them are holding spears that seem to be very sharp, and all of them seem to be very ready for combat. However, one of them does not. You can see in foreign delegate robes of white, a tall man, fair in complexion, blonde hair, pushed to one side, very neatly parted. And you can see that he has an air of education about him. As you look towards him, you can see that these people are definitely Heraclesian you know that Cadmia sat upon the precipice of whether they would join Heracles or not. And having these troops here means that Cadmia has at least agreed not to attack them. Make an insight check for me. Uh, 19. Being quite well educated yourself, very well read on the times of Kalimvor at the moment. You have a look at this figure up and down and you can see that he is holding lots and lots of books and there seems to be an assistant by his side that is taking notes on everything and he is heavily guarded. This is a delegate that seems to be coming to converse terms of some sort with Cadmia. You don't know what they're coming to discuss specifically, but you know that some action seems to be in place on the war front. You know that that war front is coming from the west as you make your way to the Odyssey. As you make your way there, Morvin, would you like to describe what you look like as you make your way into the cul-de-sac? Uh, Morvin's uh, reasonably short. He's got uh, golden blonde hair with a streak of black through it. He's very tan skin, uh, silver eyes, 
And he has uh, burns up his left arm in the shape of leaves. As you make your way into the Odyssey, you can see that it is a burning pile of rubble. Did you know that it exploded? Were you, did you leave before or after that? I left after, but I had a vision of it being exploded. Okay. So as you see this pile of rubble, you know for a fact that from your dreamscapes that something arcane exists there. And as you look towards the sky, you can see wisps of almost like a, an etherealness, like a building exists in a pocket dimension. What would you like to do? I'll head towards that uh, etherealness and try to investigate, see if I can get in. Roll an arcana check for me. 22. From the outside perspective, you just see this robed wizard-looking individual almost tracing a rectangle in the air outside. But to you, Morvan, you seem to be looking at an arcane seal, one that seems to only be broken by those permitted to enter. And it seems you are one of those people. You open the door, able to find it and make your way through. As you look around, you enter just in time to see Bayagram moving up the stairs after talking to Melnin Wargon. As you catch a glimpse of Bayagram, would you like to describe what you look like, Bayagram? Uh, what Morvan sees is basically a tall um, elf, a uh, celestial elf, Eldrin. Uh, basically kind of a, a bluish type skin, uh, long kind of white silvery hair, but most of it kind of is hidden amongst a kind of a green robe and kind of just see flashes of kind of like gold and kind of like a bright, brighter colored armor underneath. He makes his way upstairs looking quite stressed. You know upstairs is where Arden is too. Making your way up, Begram, you hit the war room first. That familiar smell of mahogany just smashes you in the nostrils. And more than you quickly after. And as you do, you turn around, Begram, knowing that you're being followed. And as you're about to ask him a question, you see this white flash, this of energy that blinds both of you. You look around and see every single book on the shelves that surround the table seems to be illuminated with white. And it's at that moment you watch as two figures stand within that immediate blast. As it fades, you can see the average-looking figure of Micah and the lovely figure of Siraj holding the staff mages, staff, the three of you in the room. Micah, it's been forever. And how are you? Forever's still not long enough. Well, you're, you're in the company of Siraj, so it must have gone well. I'm afraid not, Beagram. ends. Micah has allowed me to, well, to take some insights from his experience. Morvan, it is good to see you alive. Siraj, I ha- my sendings have not been landing, which is why I'm here. Where is everyone? He nods and says, my apologies. Usually if that spell isn't able to make its mark, it means that your target is either not on this current plane of existence or is not conscious to hear them. We have a lot to discuss. We definitely do. <laughs> something very quick happening tonight as well at that extends a hand and almost violently you can see three chairs just out of the table and she gestures for you guys to sit down you're gonna do that the beers as well or not the time for alcoholic beverages perhaps after this is done the chairs scooch in as you sit down she looks towards Morvan first and says the rest of your party out at the gates they're catching up on some rest all of them well they all made it. It's fantastic news. Okay. And as she says that, we will cut to Drew. Drew, you had a bloody big day. Oh, tell me about it. The last time we saw you, you were on the trail of a large demon turtle known as Demos Tortuga. This creature, this abomination, is the strongest thing you've ever faced. You barely got out with your life. And as you toss and turn in your bed in the Crown Killer's you can hear revelry coming from down below you hear some gunshots coming from downstairs knowing Jasui's probably taking some target practice and you can hear Shavi swinging off a chandelier and landing and saying his traditional ta-da but you, you you're not in the mood for revelry you look towards the horizon you can see that rolling storm that thundering cloud the lightning flashing from within them you can see the waves just out of your reach and view are tumbling tumultuously sets you uneasy knowing that Demos expects the tithe tripled your party below and yourself don't have an answer your dreams have been restless you're feeling tired as we take a shot at you tucking yourself into your bedtime space can we please get a description of Druid hmm 
Do you know the, the feeling you get when it's late at night and maybe lights are off and you're walking and you either look in a, like a window and a mirror and you see, you think you see someone there and it scares the shit out of you, but it's just your own reflection. That feeling is generally what people get when they see Druid for the first time. So I think, uh, yeah, great, uh, a gross green skin with the, almost a damaged face. He has a red hair, long red beard, scruffy, not that well kempt, almost scars on his face, bloodshot eyes, that sort of thing. Like he's either, yeah, not, not slept or he's been punched in the face. That type of thing, just not at all great to look at, but wearing the sort of animal pelts of that nature, uh, definitely an animal lover, always surrounded by some sort of either creatures or critters. As you put your night hat on and tuck yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> Blow out your candle like Wee Willy Winky who runs through the town. You lay down in your bed and sleep meets you. As usual, the clouds rolling inside your head, the sound of thunder stirs you, but then you start to see something else. Can you please roll a arcana check for me? 12. You see red eyes in the deep. The sound of crashing waves. You hear that billowing voice of Demos Tortuga saying, You stay. Just rumbles and gravels. As the storm grows, you watch as those eyes change. They change from red to this emerald green. And what once were definitely otherworldly and ethereal, you look towards these and it fills you with a familiar sense, a comforting sense. You watch as you hear a voice. It says, Drew, Drew, Drew. I haven't been able to reach Drew, my boy. Is that you? Am I in the right dream? I'm sorry if this isn't. I'm looking for my son. Mom, mom, is that you? Uh, that, mommy. Draw, come closer, come closer. You begin to walk in this dreamlike space and through the clouds as the mist begins to part, you see the beautiful sights of your mother. You can see this horrible visage across her face, this large nose that droops down to one side, an eye socket that seems to be half lobed. You can see green emerald eyes and the warts that pock her face. You can see red hair just like yours, just tangled in every direction. And you can see uh, her forearms that seem to just be like moving beside her. You can see as well that her underarm hair is definitely unkept. Mom, you look great. Have you been doing something? I, I've been trying something new with my skin. I'm glad you've noticed. I, that's beside the point. Drew, I've been able, unable to find you. Where have you been? Usually I can... Usually I can tap tap into where you are across the arcane weave. There's been a lot, a lot going on. It's, it, we, we have a lot of catching up to do. Well, that would be a lot easier if you were home. There was a big, a big turtle and he was mean. Oh, my boy. And you watch as she gives you like a big pat on the back. You've always had an affinity with animals. I'm sure you could make him your friend. Anyway, I've, I've called upon you. An old friend of mine needs needs assistance. You're the most powerful and handsome man that I have ever had the privilege of of knowing. This person is very dear to me. I could think of no other than you. What do you need, Mummy? My friend's name is Arden, and he lives to the south in Cadmia. Arden, yeah, we uh, I've met him once before. We uh, we we tried to send word back to him for he he requested a favor from us, but. It didn't exactly go to plan. Well, I don't think he's going to be too worried about that because he is almost meeting his end. I am also unable to reach him. Here, I'll, I'll show you. And you watch as she touches your forehead and as she does, you just like boom into this completely different space. You watch as the storm clouds begin to recede, the thunder stops and your feet are on stone flooring. You look up and you can see stained glass windows and you can see what looks like wooden rafters. You're in a temple. Cool. Wait, hang on a second. How do you know Arden, Mum? It's not like that. (laughs) (laughs) He knew somebody that knew someone that I knew and when you're as powerful as me, people come to you for answers. But never mind. It's Before I had you, I had my life too, you know. She says, "This, this temple is in Undercliff. You watch as the walls shimmer down almost like a dissolving painting. And you can see outside of it. And the landscape of Undercliff is a wreck. You can see that the house-like structures, some of them burnt to stumps. You can see the straw-like roofs almost completely taken off. You can see piles of bodies around the outskirts that seem to be being burnt. Some of them of knoll-like creatures and some of them people. You can see in the middle of the town a 
spherical crater, like a perfect circle. It seems to have filled with rainwater over time and mud and muck. And you watch as your mother points and says, that's where it happened. Something dark is on the horizon, boy. Something that I fear that they are going to need Mr. Gassin's help for. You can, you can help him, can't you, Drew? If it's you that's asking, I'll do my best. Good. They're talking about it now. And you watch as she touches your forehead again. And as she does, you just... And as you do, you three back in the Valiant Odyssey Adventures Guild watch as an empty chair at the head of the table begins to flash in the form of Druid. As it begins to deluminate, you all see for the first time, some of you, the most ugly human being that you have ever met in your life. And you watch as Siraj is taken aback. She holds her staff towards, and then you watch as she cocks an eye and then relaxes. What do the three of you do? I would have never met him before, so basically straight away, basically, but I do take a key from Siraj, and basically as she relaxes, I was like, physically relaxed as well. A green eminence comes from your side tanked, Micah, and you hear a voice inside your head that says, This is a very fortuitous day. In what way? Well, now you know that there's somebody on this planet that's uglier than you. <laughs> oh. Does he say that out loud? Is he the only one that can hear it or can we all hear it? I'll say roll a perception check. 20. So usually, Micah, when this sort of thing happens, you look around and it doesn't seem like anyone notices what Fizz is saying, but you look towards this individual at the end of the table and you heard every word of it, Drew. Hmm. I probably look at, do I see where the voice is coming from? I'll say, I can just hear it. Yeah, I can say that you can see him almost backlight with green whenever it says a syllable. I could probably, yeah, maybe even I think if it's coming from Micah and I probably pipe up and say, that, that's not very nice. This guy's an elf. <laughs> <laughs> Pointing at Morvan. You can, you can hear that. What do you mean? That wasn't you talking? And I just, Micah just cocks an eyebrow and no response, just staring at what he thought was initially a mirror, but is now put together, it's not. <laughs> Siraj breaks the silence and says, I sense that the means of which you traveled here is of the arcane, and I don't sense it to be hostile. Uh, no, I, I, I guess I, I come in peace, uh, unless you all want to be turned into chickens. <laughs> my, I, I just got word from, from my mum that uh, yeah, Arden might, might be in a bit of strife and may need some help, and she sent me here. Well, that is what we are about to discuss, but before we do, your Name, sir. You can call me Drew. I am Siraj. I am the staff mage at the Wasonia. This is Micah, Morvan, and Beagram, and we have a lot to discuss. From what I can tell you, it appears that Delnak the Outcast is attacking on many fronts. And, well, we are always seemingly left on the back foot. In order to understand what we have to do to defeat this foe, I feel like we need to analyze all the places that we have been come up with a plan to enact in the future. Beagram, why don't you start by telling us what transpired in Undercliff? What insights can we gain from Delnak the Outcast? What weapons can we use, having seen him up close in his current state? It, it, from my perspective, it's almost what can't he do? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty full on. Once we got rid of the Hungering Blight, it was, it was just Delnak left. And um, Arden came in, and, and there was a big battle, but he brought down his wall of force. So that seems to be one of his key moves. If he knows that um, he might be a little bit outmatched, he'll actually kind of separate and, and divide uh, his, his, his enemies kind of thing with the wall of force so that he can just focus on one or two. Um, and the same thing happened with Halrod, Bangor, and Felix. Uh, he brought down a wall of force and did not allow them to flee until he decimated them. I, I, I don't know what transpired with Bangor that... Um, uh, he was allowed to leave, but he was, he was pretty tight-lipped and very, very... Where, where is Bengal now? I, I don't know. Last I saw, he was at Undercliff. He, he showed up for a bit, and then he, he kind of just went off on his way. I haven't really seen him since I've been back to the Odyssey here. His experience will be quite valuable. We'll need to talk to him as soon as possible. Definitely, yes. Um, other, otherwise, yeah, it's um, very... Uh, he, can, he moves around through, through the air, through the ground... Um, was it magical? It only seemed like magical means could actually kind of cause any damage to him. Anything that was just mundane would um would just deflect off of him or not do anything. So, yeah, we need we need magical means. We need magical weapons. We need magic. Were you not equipped with magical weapons? I 
believe Halrod had an ancient bow. He had his oath bow, and it oh, it it did uh, it, it worked really well until Halrod was taken out. Um, but I believe Delnak now has the oath bow. This is unfortunate news. We, we we couldn't find it anywhere on the battlefield, and Bangor didn't have it. Um, he did mention that Delnak took it. If Delnak knew that a weapon existed that could harm his exterior, he would have taken it for sure. Or at least, if he isn't using it, he would have taken it to study, perhaps to use against us in the future. This is troubling. What? What? He set his sights on Undercliff, a simple farming village. Why? All right. The, 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 this has to stay within the room. There is um, the star, um, a, a, a kind of a gem, an arcane gem that is actually kind of buried in Undercliff. Um, it, it has, I, I don't know all the ins and outs about it. I, I'm not, I'm not, not up on that end of things. Arden was, and Vera basically kind of, Vera's basically, they, they know about it. Um, but he was after that for some reason. He was, he was after the, was it the, yeah, the Star of Mort, uh, Mado. Yep. Um, and, and so that, that, that's what he was after. I, I don't, he never actually got it though. The, 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 um, the gnolls were defeated. He left. The place is a ruin, but the temple and, and all that it stands is, is still there and untouched. You watch as she almost closes her eyes and you feel an arcane presence just move through you all. It's almost like she's extending her senses and she opens her eyes again and she says, I cannot sense his presence. Whatever happened in Undercliff, it damaged him greatly. Sorry, who's, who's president? Don't I? He nods. He says, Arden must have came close to defeating him, but was unable to. I don't mean to make you uneasy, Beagram, but when you faced Delnak, I believe he would have been at his utmost weakest, which is very troubling. Yeah, uh, with with, with the this, this speed that the fight happened between Felix and Alrod and Bangor, it, it, yes, it, it, I, I don't think they lasted long, unfortunately. But we know that Delnak was after the star in Undercliff. He has also had a presence in the Wasonia, is that correct, Micah? From what I was able to gather from your memories lean back into the chair our eyes cast downwards i don't i don't think we faced him directly more his servants turning turning those that have left us against us and it seemed like he was building gathering an army that he could control himself in some capacity he was gathering the gnolls he's gathering at the wasonia his null force seems to be destroyed. The Wasonia was more of subterfuge. He was undercover in his approach. You said it wasn't him directly. I sense a terrible creature in your past, Micah. One that stole the memories. His first experiment, his clone. You know that that is so hard to talk about, given all that's happened. That's not... Yes, the passing of Zendardus is definitely regrettable. And... Arden will feel a sense of shame as a result. We have lost many, but that is why we need to fight even harder now. Was this vessel destroyed? As destroyed as it could have been, from what we were aware of. He nods. Whatever is in Wasonia, it still grows, I can feel it. Do not know what he is after there. We know that he is building. At least we know that the star is something tangible that we can protect. Morven, did the Archaic provide any answers? It did. When we asked about... Dalnak, his past and his plans. It revealed that Dalnak has actually fractured his soul into four parts. And they are objects. And the only way to truly destroy them is by using vestiges from the gods. They had champions back in the war. And those vestiges still exist. Uh, one of us has one of them. I don't know about the other. One of your party. Yes. Well, that is wonderful. We have a weapon. We have something to combat. I would imagine that this oath bow was also a vestige if it was able to defeat and damage Donak. These powerful weapons, they... You say they are known to the gods. The gods had champions. They were mortals. And they bestowed these weapons upon them. And through time, they've been passed down or lost. These weapons, some are only known to legend. Some have only been talked about as stories. They will not be easy to track down. We have one already, but we will need more than one. What is the one that we have? That's with our party. It is a great glaive. A glaive of Idris. Oh, that, that's, that's excellent that we have the one. Danak's plan is to regather his soul fragments 
and in doing so, he'll become more powerful. And once he has all four, his plans are to ascend to godhood. And did the archaic did did they did they tell you how we are to find these fragments? How we are to find these weapons? It only led us to the one that we found, and that was, I feel, more by chance. Well, we have the one, but Bagram, Halrod, Bengor, and Felix had one against a weakened Delnak, and they still came off second best. I think it'll be finding his soul fragments and destroying them would probably be the easiest way to ensure he's weakened. This plan does not come without his risk. If I am to understand correctly, if someone was to fracture their soul, I would imagine they would be aware if one of them were to be broken. As soon as we break one, he will be aware that that is what we are after, and he will become more protective of the other three. We must find them all, do nothing with them until they are gathered, destroy them all at once. Finding these soul fragments, it is going to be essential to understand what items Delnak would have put his soul into. Tracing the mind of such a fractured fiend, it's an impossible task is there the, the 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 tome does that give us any insight into the tome was but a prison but alas the tome is no longer in my possession i feel that through some divine or arcane means delnak was able to get his hands on that too it's almost as if he he has somebody on the inside or kind of is is has access to somebody that he can kind of work to uh, to his means well the way things are going missing from what we have gathered so far he has been able to gather a force in Masonia through the knolls in Undercliff. His historical records tell me, and through Arden's knowledge, says that he has had some ties in the past to the fire monks of Voltar. He decimated the Sun Souls. He hated them. And any member of the Stella Via, he absolutely abhorred. It is why he hates Arden so much. Yeah, I feel like in order to solve this riddle, we need to know we need Arden. We need Arden Cassian, and we need him now. And you, Drew, you were brought to us by your mother for some arcane purpose. Perhaps you can shed some insight, share some valuable tale that can brighten the days of these adventurers. Nope. <laughs> Unfortunately, sorry. Uh, we've been trying to come up with our own ways and plans of what we thought might be a good way to stand against him, and we've been trying to raise an army and even see if we could persuade or control the likes of Deimos Tortuga, the the dragon turtle, to aid us. <laughs> she holds up her hand. She says, the demon turtle of the Demos Bay, you're trying to control the dragon turtle? Well, we gave it a crack. I am happy to be talking to you here today. If You've lived to tell the tale. That is, well, that is a tale that many do not live to tell. Barely. But nevertheless, we uh, have in our, our midst our, our favor, I guess you could say, quite a numerous amount of people who are happy to help with the, the cause. They understand the seriousness of what, what Delnak is and what he wants to do. So we, we could almost, you could almost say we have an army of our his, own. His power will only grow. If you are in the west by the Demos Bay, you say, Demos Tortuga is a foul creature. He has lived within the depths for many, many years. He has fouled the trading ships and vessels. He has taken a horde of treasure from wide expanses of this here continent, from many, many ships. Do you think there's a chance that maybe he has one of these vestiges or something we could use against Delnak? I think... That if somebody gathered the haystack together instead of having us search the whole farm, and that is where I would start to find this needle. Within Demos Tortuga's horde may lie the key, or at least another vestige or weapon of the gods, to help us in the fight against Delnak. An army, you say you have. Trained soldiers. How were you able to gather such? I didn't say anything about trained soldiers. <laughs> what we have is uh, a common goal from people amongst the city. We do have soldiers, we have our city's guard, and we're hoping to have a, a group of skilled magic users, as well as the, the freed slaves from all of Mediteri, to aid us with what's to come. And as all of this occurs, Cadmia lays on the precipice of an alliance or 
an impending war with the Heraclesian League. If you are indeed in Demos Bay, where exactly do you reside? We've taken over the uh, the Crown Corsairs castle, and we are now the current Crown Corsairs. You are in Mediterri, a place that has seen more transitions in leadership than I have worn pairs of pants. Yeah, we don't muck around. She shakes her head and she says, that territory's land bridge, if the Heraclesians are marching, that will be the first thing that they take. If you are gathering valuable resources, you must be quick. Do we know how many of these uh, weapons or vestiges there are out there? Well, there are nine gods in the Pantheon, which begs to dictate that there are nine weapons or vestiges of virtue to be found. Do we need all of them? Perhaps not. But the more we have, the stronger our chance is to at least destroy these soul fragments and eventually kill Delnak the outcast before he is able to rise and become the tenth god in the Pantheon. Mm. So a possible nine weapons of power and four soul fragments, you say, but no idea where they could be. I know where one soul fragment is, but I doubt we or even Delnak would access it. I know a second one where it was left and whether Darnak has collected it already, couldn't say. If you say you fought a clone in Wisteria, potentially that Westonia, that's potentially the third soul fragment. We fought a clone of Darnak's uh, earlier iteration of him, and we believe that he used a soul fragment in that clone to watch us. The clone was destroyed, but we didn't have the vestige at the time, so the soul fragment is still out there. If the clone is not destroyed with a vestige, I believe the soul fragment would still exist and be able to inhabit the body of another clone or vestige. So the school isn't safe? The school. That will encompass my entire attention. At times I may ask for some assistance from the Odyssey, if need be, but we need some leads. You said you know two of the soul fragments. Objects, people, what, Morven, please. One of the fragments was in the shape of a orb. I carried it with me for a time to study it. Where did you get it? Uh, long ago, uh, my party uh, helped uh, rescue a town from a plot, a man called Scanlan, who now is, we realize potentially was a descendant of Dalnak, or potentially just knew of the orb. Uh, I carried it with me and it is now in the writhing sand, the sand sea outside Rustadon. It's being watched over by a message in the stars. He is not a great fan of me, and I won't go back. Well, it seems to be out of anyone's reach for now. Perhaps that is the last soul fragment we go for, if necessary. Potentially someone else other than me could uh, liaise with message. He taught at Westonia, he told me, many a millennia ago, and even taught Darnak himself. Uh, is a very old tabaxi and powerful caster. That was before my time at the Arcane Institute. However, there are some terms I can consult. I can see if there's anybody else that may have known him, studied with him, if there's anybody we can investigate. But this, this individual, Scantlin, knows Delnak the outcast? I don't know. When we saw him, he simply said that they, the orb was a family heirloom that his, I think his mother or his grandmother had told him about. It allowed people to animate the dead, and it was used by an orc chieftain. Do these soul fragments, you held it for a time, did it have any effects on you? Did it? No, uh, from what I could glean is there are levels of this fragment, of this orb. I could only glean the surface. I believe if I opened myself up to try to delve deeper, I may have been in danger, but I never pursued that path. Well, the orb is one fragment. We know that Scantlin, wherever he may lay, may have some insights into Delnak the Outcast. Perhaps we can press him for what these other soul fragments may be. Anybody that knows Delnak, anybody that grew up with him, anybody that studied with him, we need to find out what these are. I believe half of our forces should be dedicated to this cause and the other to finding the vestiges, to finding the weapons we will use to destroy the fragments once we gather them here at the Odyssey. All right, uh, Siraj, um, those um, those vestiges, is there anything in the Wissonia archives that will kind of give us 
indication as to where we might find some of them, even even if it's old lore or um, myths that are kind of been published or written about. The Wissonia Arcane Institute focuses more on the ley lines, the weave, the way that magic occurs upon this plane. Divine magic is something that has faded into obscurity. Study of the gods is not as commonplace as it was, and even belief in such beings. There are more and more that live a life without those than, than do. However, there are some relics, you might say, of the past, some temples that exist here in Cadmia alone. There is a temple known as the Forge, one dedicated to the crafters of Nekestis. Nekestis being the god of the Forge, volcanoes, the earth. It is said she was the master craftsman that actually bore these vestiges into being. Excellent. Yes, that's that'd probably be a good place to, to look at as well. If they know the teachings of Nekest as well, they would probably be able to tell you a lot of the lore associated with the weapons in which she built, as they believe that it is the weapon that forges the history and the tale and not the wielder, whereas most other historical pantheons believe that the champions of virtue are that which should be remembered. It is they that believe the weapon should be. I believe a man by the name of Glory is the is the proprietor there currently. With that being said, these vestiges and these fragments, it appears that as long as these fragments exist, Delnak is able to cast his soul into however many clones he has available at his disposal. That's right. You did say something about a second um, fragment, didn't you, Morgan? The clone that followed us, uh, we destroyed it, but knowing now that only a vestige can actually destroy the fragment, uh, that fragment must still exist. You, you don't, no ideas as to where it's from or where uh, even a general location where it might be located? N- not for the fragment itself, no. We also are unaware of any distance requirement for these fragments. The best thing to do would be to study Delnak's past and see what objects he would have imbued. This orb, as you say, Morvan, may have held some significance to him in some manner. Would they have to be on this plane of existence? I am not certain. Who were the Stellavia? Arden himself is a Stellavia. It is the reason he is so long-lived, appearing to be a regular human in their appearance. However, they are celestial born. They are of two worlds, of this plane and another. Their ancestors are born to Selene, the moon spirit, or so it is said. And there are many across the continent that can share one common ancestor. They are driven by the urges and feelings and instincts of this ancestor. Ardens himself was a warrior spirit, so noble. He was born to fight for a cause such as this. He has honed his body and his mind to be a tool for change for the greater good because he believes it to be his calling. They are often called star children or dreamwalkers and historically they escaped from the primordial titan of darkness with the help from Selene, the moon spirit. They are often arcanely gifted. They are long-lived, but that does come with a downside. And I believe, I believe one day that will show. I fear something terrible has happened to Arden, though I am not sure what. I Where is he now, Bagram? Where did you leave him? Uh, last, uh, he was still at Undercliff uh, in the in the care of Vera. He's definitely not in a condition to move. He's not in a condition to do anything at the moment. Uh, I haven't heard word in about a week since I've been back, what? but it, it's, it's a... Uh, it, I, I don't want to even dwell on this, but it could very well be that he may not even be with us anymore. He says, that's impossible. That is not even... What What happened during his fight with Delnak? You, you said you saw it firsthand, correct? Yes, we, we did through a wall of force. So I, I didn't see everything. I know that um, Arden came up and uh, basically kind of uh, focused on Delnak and uh, called him out, essentially. Um, Delnak then brought down this wall of force and myself and, and the other... Others basically kind of tried to um, pierce the barrier to actually help out, but we were unsuccessful with that. Magic flinging from one direction to another, basically people being thrown around 
unfortunately it was I think it was Arden more than than Delnak being thrown around but in the end when the barrier fell um, Arden was on the ground um, missing one arm and unconscious Delnak was extremely hurt but even uh, as you said in his weakened condition we, we were no had no chance against him Siraj her face drops and you immediately watch as she stands she grabs her staff and you watch as she draws a circle in the air and you see this flash. This <laughs> you're all then immediately transported, it seems, across to the temple of Mardol in Undercliff. As you land, your feet hit the stone floor. Up on the dais, you can see lying flat on this stone tablet the body of Arden Cassian, one arm bandaged at the shoulder seemingly missing. You can see his long hair tattered and the blood stains washed out of it by the priestesses here. But you can see at his side, uh, Vera, and she seems to be saying a prayer by his side. As you all walk up to him and each of you at a different corner of his, his body, you look down at him. You can see his breath. It's, it's shallow, but it's there. I'll get you guys to roll a perception check as well. 24. 12. Okay, so all of you are able to see, as you look down at Arden, his eyes, underneath the lids of his eyelids, are moving from left to right very, very rapidly, uh, almost as if he is in a deep state of dream. Oh, he's dreaming. Vera, is, is, has there been any change? There has been no change. Have, have, has he been like this? Like this, this almost dream state, it almost seems? He nods to you slowly. Any, any ideas as to what's happening? Unfortunately, this is not my area of expertise. I can medically heal his body, but it appears this ailment is of the mind. Hmm. Perhaps maybe I could be of some assistance. And I look at, I say, you know, I'm something of a moon spirit myself. But I think uh, my my mom was able to communicate with me while I was asleep in my dream. Maybe she could help and give us an insight into into what what's going on in Arden's Arden's mind and I think maybe Drew gets down in almost a meditative stance and just sort of um and call, calls out for his mum 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 I love it love it mum mum are you there we're, we're with Arden I'm never too far away oh, mummy um Arden's here and uh, he he does not look good but uh he seems it seems like there's something going on in his mind whether he's having some sort of crazy dream his eyes are darting left to right we've got people here who are helping heal his body but there's definitely something wrong is there can you help out at all there doesn't seem to be an answer as you extend that question out but what you do hear is the front door open <laughs> you watch then as you hear this old woman just saying, oh, get away from me, I'm supposed to be here. And you watch as this town guard just comes and brushes off her shoulder. You can see you guys, uh, this hunched over figure that seems to be quite tall if they weren't almost 90 degrees hunched over. You can see spirally red hair. These four arms seem to, two of them drag by the floor and some of them just seem to like move in front of her as well. As she gets up onto the dais, she's pretty freaky looking. Uh, is, is there any um? Can, like, can, can I can I tell that basically there's a relation between Drew and her? Why do you have four arms, <laughs> Mom? I haven't seen you in so long, and I run at her and jump for a big hug. She will cradle you, and as she does, uh, she'll look over to Morvin, who says that and says, um, "Do I ask you why you have blue eyes? That's just rude." <laughs> well, it's why does he only have two then? Do, does your parents have exactly the same qualities? Who is this? Is he your friend? And you just met him. Well, maybe stay clear of him. Don't worry, I'll turn him into a chicken later. Very good, very good. I'm sure he'll, he, he, he looks useful at least. What am I here for? Uh, we, we need to see what's going on in the, inside Arden's mind. He may have some answers and some help that could aid us with, the, with this, this Delnak guy. Oh, yes. And you watch as two of the arms go around her, uh, her friend's temples. And the other two, you can see, is just like scratching her head. And she says... And pulling a wedgie. <laughs> can, can I maybe roll a perception check to see how close they are yeah go on roll an insight check insight yeah there seems to be no outward affection other than what looks like friendship okay. towards you 
Okay, still uh, weird. From what you can see. <laughs> like, she isn't unnaturally close to his forehead or shedding a tear over his, his body or anything like that. But she does seem, like, genuinely concerned as a friend. So she closes her eyes and she says, nah, Yes, this, this one's dreams, they've been tainted. The Stellavir have a deep connection to, to that realm. And it appears that connection was taken advantage of by his aggressor. Something has been unleashed, and it is preventing him from waking. If it is information from him you seek, I would imagine that that connection to whatever beast is inside here must be severed before that information is eaten away and lost. Can you send us in there so we can give this beast a touch-up, Mum? Yes. Hell yeah. Yes, I can. Are all of you willing? What do you mean, send us in there? You watch as Siraj just sort of takes a step forward and she says, I can maintain things here and make sure that your bodies are untouched and untainted by anybody around, but you will essentially go on a mental or astral visit through one of Arden Cassian's dreams. You will likely encounter some of his core memories. It could be dangerous as they are tainted by, by a creature. Drew's mom just like nods happily. And Siraj continues and says, I have never seen this in practice before. Drew's mom says, oh, Child's play. I work with dreams all the time. Are you ready? Is this a spell I could learn? This is more of what you would say an ability gifted through my birth. Mom, if I turn Morven into a chicken here, will he be a chicken in Arden's dream? There is only one way to find out. <laughs> yeah, sp- speaking of which, what, what do we take with us? Like, if, if our physical self is here, how are we supposed to take care of anything that we come across? Anything that you are wearing or have attuned with your soul to will follow you within the dreamscape. However, if you are to fall, I don't know what would happen because it hasn't happened before. At the very least, you will be pulled from the realm and return to your bodies above. At the very worst, uh, you will be trapped there also and your body will lay in a comatose state. But fear not, I will put you to good use. I have a garden at the back that requires some nitrogen. Classic Bob. I, I have my reservations, but if this will help Arden. Uh, Siraj, what are your thoughts? Is, do you have any other thoughts on how we can awaken Arden? Or? I could take some time to assess his mental state in an arcane fashion, but if it is expediency we need, this may be the best. Mum. Mrs. Ede. Hey, sounds like I don't need to turn Morvan into a chicken. He's already a chicken. Yeah, I got that too. He seems quite cowardly, at least uh, cautious at the very least. But I'd always serve to ask a question or two. Yeah, my man. While this is going on, um, can I ping Divine Sense? Just yes. To pick up on? Um, as you ping your Divine Sense, you get a celestial aura coming from Arden and you get a fiend-like aura from Drew's mum. And she's single? She seems to be. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> okay. So yes, you do, get an extremely, um, you get an unnerving presence that comes from the creature that Drew is calling his mother. You can see that there seems to be these dark shadowy tendrils that seem to smoke off of her, almost like cigarette smoke or vape smoke coming off of her. As you look towards Arden, that is completely juxtaposed with like a backlit torch light that seems to indicate he's celestial. So two within the immediate area. How do we know... No, we can trust your mum in doing what she's going to say to all of us. Well, she's my mum. She's never wronged me before. How do we know we can trust you? This is the first time we've met you and we're, we, you've appeared in the Odyssey and then we just got whisked over here. I've known you for all of, what, 45 minutes? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But uh, my mum seems, seems to have a relationship with Arden and she trusts him. So I trust him. and. I, I completely understand how awful Delnak can be and we have felt what he is capable of and I understand that he needs to be stopped. If Arden can help, what are we waiting for? I suppose the enemy of my enemy. One last question though. What is she? <laughs> I am your worst nightmare. No, I'm his mother. All right. Everybody hold hands. I put my hands out. I touch them with my like, fingers, like fingertips, like not holding <laughs> anyone's hand, but just like close enough. You watch as with each one of her hands, she grabs one of yours and you can feel this arcane pull come straight from your chest. 
combine together and surge straight down into the mindset of Arden Cassian. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. We want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode and for tuning into all of our previous episodes that you've listened to as well. This episode was Michael as Drew, Brian as Beagram, Brett as Morvan, Michael as Micah, and me, Aaron, as your Dungeon Master. Guys, if you've enjoyed our content, a review from you goes an absolute long way. Whether it be a five-star review on Spotify or a written review on Apple Podcasts, we cannot thank you enough for any contribution you make to getting some more ears onto our show. Now, we do have some community announcements. Our Patreon is getting a big makeover, and currently, as of July, we will be introducing a free Patreon tier. That is correct. You heard it. A free Patreon tier. If you head to patreon.com forward slash D&D Valiant Odyssey and follow us, you'll be able to access our Discord, and some benefits that you get will include a monthly hangout, and you'll get access to the after-episode chat that we will hold on the second and the fourth Saturdays of every month. You'll also get to vote in polls, and our very first vote will be happening after our next episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey drops. So all you have to do to be a part of that extra content from the Odyssey is to go and follow us on Patreon for free. You'll never miss an episode of Valiant Odyssey or an announcement that we make that gets hidden in the algorithm of some social medias. It is the most direct way to contact us, which is through our Discord. The very next episode of the Odyssey will continue the story of Drew's Dreamwalk, and it will feature the characters of Drew, Beagram, Micah, and Morvan as they enter the head of Arden Cassian to try and relieve him from his unnatural sleep state. The crossover continues next week on the Odyssey. And remember, be valiant.